peoples of the worldwide federated internet, what's good? going to admit to you that I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this episode. This is definitely still, I'm still going through the book of Acts, but I wanted to lay some groundwork before getting too deep into the book of Acts, which is why I'm doing this this way now. Again, I don't know exactly how I'm going to convey these thoughts. I don't, I've been doing a bunch of reading. I took some notes, asked some questions, went back to my Bible, trying to figure out what the Bible says about all of these different issues. And I have an idea in my head that I don't necessarily know how to convey exactly how it's working out in my head. So this is going to be my attempt to do just that. One of the the most groundbreaking things about the book of Acts, in my humble opinion, is though we seek to have all of these, uh, we seek validation from certain secular things. Now, I want to make sure I emphasize that there's nothing wrong with archaeology. There's nothing wrong with secular findings. I do, however, think sometimes we view secular findings in a way that's that's antithetical to trust in the Bible. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with secular findings, but I begin to I begin to ask myself certain questions. Do I believe the Bible? This is something that to some degree it's accepted by faith. I've argued this before. Everything we see, all of the argument, all of the arguments that are made for different things at some point comes to faith. You can take that even to evolution. Evolution gets to a point where you're going to have to accept something by faith. Right. People believe there was materials um, that got together. The Big Bang happened. Now, there's different there's a, a varying degree of beliefs within that Big Bang theory. But at some point, you have to believe that something just happened and you have to accept that by faith because you can ask enough questions until you get to the point where there's a question that doesn't have an answer. And this is the example I always use. That's why I go to the Big Bang. You can say, well, these materials you know, they collided, atoms, whatever, energy, dark matter, whatever it is. And the Big Bang happened. Okay, so where did all those things come from? There, There is a question that you get to that ultimately leads you to the point where it's like, well, this is what we believe has happened. And it might be based on some circumstantial evidence that you could, you know, maybe point to and say, yeah, that's a possibility but it's not concrete. So it has to be accepted by faith. And I think in this same vein, 
there does there does come a point like this in the Bible. Yes, there there are many external findings that add to the validity and give sort of a stamp to the Bible as to its credit, its credibility. But there comes a point where you're going to have to. For lack of a better term, take that leap of faith. The Bible says he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not hearing cometh by the word of archaeology. There's a reason I'm going this route. So in an effort to uh, prove doctrine in an, in an effort to give a stamp on doctrine, people often go to secular sources. For instance, they will say, well, the this early church father here said X, Y and Z, and we have his writing. There's nothing wrong with writings. There's nothing wrong with archaeological findings. But the Bible, in my humble opinion, has to be our authority. If I take the Bible at its word as God's inspired word and I believe what it says, then at some point, if if someone says something, I don't care who it is and I don't care how close that writing is to, let's say, the first century church. If that writing contradicts what the Bible says, I believe the Bible men can and will be wrong. If God allows this planet to spin for another thousand years for another 2000, 3000 years, somebody, however long down the road may find one of my videos may find something I wrote on Substack, and, and I could be completely wrong. Is it for them to say, well, this this guy, Brook Nam, was a couple thousand years closer to the to the to the events that happened during the death, burial and resurrection. So his word must be the word. He, he has got to be right. No, that is inaccurate. Just because I am closer to that time doesn't mean I am right over what the Bible says. This is my point. So in starting the book of Acts, the groundwork I wanted to lay is the fact that the Bible is our authority. And we do. Here's the thing. We do have an early recorded history of the early church in God's inspired word in the, the book of Acts. We have that now. The next question that that could arise I'm not saying this is the question that will arise. This is a this is a possible question that could quite possibly be on someone's mind as they delve into this topic. Well, how do I know this is God's inspired word? And here's again where we get to a a conundrum, because it let's say if I were to say, OK, historically, this is when the Bible was canonized. So these books are are the books that, you know, we believe are part of God's inspired word. There could be a, a counter argument made. Well, 
how do we know when these men that decided to canonize the Bible in this meeting a couple hundred years after these things were, you know, uh, supposedly written, how do we know that they got this right? My argument goes back a little further than that. And again, this is somewhat of a, a, a philosophical conundrum and a, it, it could be argued that this is a circular argument. And I understand that I'm acknowledging these holes in the theory I'm going to posit to you, but this theory is based on what the Bible says. My, my sole goal and my sole focus is what does the Bible teach? And I don't want to, I don't want to shape what I believe about the Bible around what I see in archaeology or what I see in early church fathers. I want to mold my beliefs around what the Bible teaches itself. Here's, I'm just going to throw something out there. I have seldom, if ever, I'm not saying these arguments are not out there. I've seldom, if ever, heard anybody argue about the canonization of the Old Testament. I, there is arguments about that out there, but they're not huge arguments. It, it's pretty much accepted how these books came together and that they're God's inspired word. Like I said, it's pretty much accepted. I don't I don't really hear many arguments as to well, why is the Song of Solomon in in the Bible? Why is Ruth in there? Right. Um, of course, you know, I could definitely point to various reasons why these books are in the Bible. But what I'm saying is you don't really have that big of an argument and a discussion around that. But there always seems to be this argument and this huge discussion around the New Testament what books go there, what air quote early church fathers believed and taught. These are good things. These are good questions. I'm very glad for men who spend years in, in scholarship and research to go over these things. But ultimately, I have to trust the Bible. And for a further Bible example, I point you to the Bereans in the book of Acts. Here comes the Apostle Paul, very knowledgeable had his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He preaches a message. And, and what do you see coming from the, uh, the Bereans? The Bible says that they checked the scriptures to see whether these things be so. So they had enough confidence in the Bible to say, yeah, Paul is saying these things and they sound good. But we are going to take the extra effort, go to the Bible and see whether these things be so. So I, I try to take the same approach and I try to go to my Bible and see, OK, what, what does the Bible say about this issue if it says anything at all? So I know that was a, a huge lead in. Again, I don't know if I will fully convey this thought properly but I'm going to make my best attempt to convey this thought. And here's the big thought. If you want to know what the early church believe, read the book of Acts, God inspired word. We have what the early church believe and what they taught through the book of Acts. And further, if you want to know the doctrine of the early church, we have that recorded in God's word in the epistles. 
all the epistles of Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude, the book of the Revelation, the Gospels. We have the beliefs of the early church recorded in these things. I say that because I don't need an external source outside of that. Everything outside of that is commentary, which is not a problem. Commentary is good. I'm thankful for men who have devoted their lives to studying the Bible and teaching the Bible. I've learned many things from many of these men, both men who are around today and men who came hundreds of years before my time. I've learned a lot from these men. But if it's one thing that I've settled in my head is it doesn't matter what they say, at what point what they say seems to deviate from what the Bible teaches. I am not about to try to mold what I believe the Bible says around what they say. I want to mold what I believe about what the Bible says by what the Bible actually teaches. And this is my point. Okay, so I want to take you to the book of first or second Peter chapter three, verse 16, because there's something we have to look at in what Peter said about Paul's writings. So in, in second Peter chapter three in uh, verse 16, this is what Peter says. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read, I want to read verse uh, 14. 14, 15, and 16. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found uh, of him in peace without spot and blameless. Uh, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, uh, hath written unto you. So, one thing you'll see right out the gate is Peter recognized that there was something special about the wisdom that was given to Paul. And in verse 16, he says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. He recognized that Paul and his epistles are going over some of these things. And some of these things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now, what you see there is Peter recognizing that the things Paul wrote are scriptures. Why does this matter? Now, before I get into why this matters, I realize people use other versions of the Bible. And sometimes maybe there is discrepancy in how translators viewed certain things and, and thus in how they translated. But the interesting thing is this is one of those, those points. This is one of those areas where all of the translators that I've been able to find so far across time who translated these things into English, English and other languages appear to agree. So I'm going to read 
this this section from different Bible versions, the amplified version says just as they do the rest of the scripture. The English Standard Version says as they do the other scripture. The NIV says as they do the other scripture. Uh, The New American Standard says as they do the rest of the scripture. So translators across time with all with all of their disagreements in certain areas are in agreement here. Peter is referring to the writings of Paul as scripture. Why does this matter? This is why this matters. It is clear to me at this point, And again, I'm using the Bible to interpret what the Bible says. I'm not going to an external source. External sources are good and they're not necessarily a problem. And I want to make that clear. And I want to reiterate that. And I want to get that out so it's understood that I'm definitely not saying you cannot go to an external source because that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you have to make sure if and when you do go to an external source, you don't try to mold the Bible around what this external source says. This is why this matters. There's this belief that. There had to be councils and there had to be meetings to decide what was God's inspired word. What I'm saying to you is we may have this thing backwards and misunderstood. What happens with time is as you get so as you get farther removed from an account, from a story, from an occurrence, oftentimes information gets lost in translation. The beauty of the Bible is if you're really paying attention, these things are not lost in translation. You have the answers right here. Peter knew that what Paul wrote was scripture. He didn't have to have a council. He didn't have to have some meeting, some get together to know God's touch was on this. This is God's inspired word. Now, I would argue, I would argue that during the inception of the church, There was definitely something unique going on. And this is the reason I say that. And and all of this, excuse me, is based on what I see in the Bible. It's not based on external sources. It's not based on what I heard anyone else say. Not that there is a problem with that. As long as these things line up with the Bible teaches, this is, I'm going to give you an example of what I mean. Could God part the Atlantic Ocean for me to walk across and and get to something on the other side. Absolutely. God can do that. Is there a necessity for that? And would God do that now? I don't know, but there's no necessity for that. And I, I just don't see that happening right now because there's not a necessity. God parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. It was a, a unique circumstance. Pharaoh was on their heels with his army. They needed to cross. God provided a way and allowed them to cross. Now, the reason I bring that out is there was something unique happening during like the, when the when the early church was. What's the right word I'm looking for when the early church was. 
assimilated, established. I don't really know if that's even the, the right word to quantify this. What I'm saying is God was uniquely equipping the body of Christ at this time. There wasn't there wasn't a complete accounting of certain things. And there were certain doctrinal positions that people didn't fully understand from the Old Testament. And I believe God used men at this time and inspired these men and pinned things down that we now have in God's word. And I believe during the inception, the early church, they knew and understood what was God's inspired word. I don't think some council was was needed to decide oh this is god's word now we have decided that this is god's word now good things came out of some of these councils and some of these meetings as a matter of fact i was reading something let me go i was, I was reading an article and it's on gotquestions.org now i'm not saying you can trust gotquestions.org i'm not saying these these answers are accurate i'm saying some good things came out of these councils, but I think it is a fallacy to believe that the earlier church did not know which one of these writings were inspired by God. I think there's a lot maybe sometimes that we have lost due to history and time and the space in between everything that has gone on. But what we see, I'm, I'm going to read from this article, it says, the first canon was the uh, Muratarian canon, which was compiled in AD 170. The Muratarian canon included all of the New Testament books except Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, uh, and 3rd John. In AD 363, the Council of Laodicea stated that the only old uh, that that only the Old Testament along with the book of the Apocrypha and 26 books of the New Testament, uh, everything but the book of Revelation were canonical and to be read in the churches. Now, this is this is why I read that. Now, you, now you see where it says everything but the book of the Revelation. When you read the book of the, the Revelation, one thing you see said in that book is to the seven churches. Clearly, when you read through this book, you can tell reading through the book, this is something that was inspired by God and meant to be read by believers. Now, we could we could debate that for sure. Absolutely. That's something that we could debate and have discussions about what I'm what I'm aiming to point out with that said is the fact that. It's from the scripture, from what I see in the scripture, the early church knew what was canon. They knew what was God's inspired word. And I think it's a reach, a stretch and an assumption that it wasn't known. There was always a succession of believers that held to the truth. Um, I wish I, I have it on my Android tablet. I don't have it up right now, but there is. A Greek uh, philosopher thought to be a disciple of John, and I actually have his writings. As far as I understand, 
his writings. It was like one manuscript from from this gentleman was found in a church sometime during World War Two or the Korean War, something like that around that time frame. And I can't remember where exactly this writing was found, but this was a Greek philosopher who got saved, a disciple of John, and he wrote things and the doctrinal things he wrote. Like when I read this, I'm like, wow, this was way before anything as far as what we call, you know, secularly the the canonization of scripture and the doctrine that he went over and and the the different doctrinal points it was if as far as i know it was something that was written to some some leader that he had to stand before it was directly in line with everything that you find in the epistles in the gospels and the epistles almost line by line which again i didn't need that to know this what i'm trying to tell you and what i'm trying to point out is these beliefs weren't just flushed out at the Council of Nicaea. This is a, a, a common fallacy and belief. And my proof of that is the Bible itself. The things you see in the epistles of Paul, uh, uh, James, John, Peter, Jude. These are the things that were discussed at the Council of Nicaea. And these are doctrines that are settled in those books themselves. So my point is, much like the canonization of scripture, there a, a council wasn't needed to decide what is the doctrine of the church. The Bible already decided that. This, in my opinion, is the same mistake people make when it comes to the canonization of scripture. And again, I understand how this could be mentally a circular argument and how this can generate some issues. And this is why I say there comes a point where you're going to have to have faith. This is not just a religious thing. You will find this same principle when you go out into the world. So now getting back to my point, Peter, recognizing that the writings of the apostle Paul are scripture. So what can we deduce from that? Well, what we can deduce from that using the Bible is there wasn't this mystery like we think as to what was inspired by God. That was not a mystery. The early church apparently knew what was God's inspired word. Again, as pointed out here by Peter, uh, let's see where else I wanted to go to. Uh, I want to go to second Peter again. Um, let me go chapter one and I'm going to go verse 20 through 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man. But a holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So again, what we find here is this is something that Peter understood fully. He understood the moving of the Holy Ghost and inspiring a man to pin something down. He understood that these things were not 
for private interpretation. This wasn't somebody just randomly deciding right when 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 John pent down the the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't John just deciding, you know what? I'm going to make some decisions about what I believe is coming next. No, he spoke as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. These are things that people, apostles and people in the early church understood. So they weren't confused as to what was inspired by God. There wasn't any confusion about that. Again, there are things that were done in this early inception of the church that we don't necessarily see in uh, ad nauseum today. Do miracles happen? Absolutely. Uh, uh, do we have people that have things happen in their lives and we see signs? Absolutely. But this is not something that happens perpetually now like you saw when you read through the book of Acts. We're, we're in a different time. Okay, that word scripture that was used in 2 Peter chapter uh, 3 and verse 16 is the is the Greek word graphe, and it comes from the Greek root word graph, which is a primary verb uh, to, to grave, especially to write figuratively, figuratively to describe. And that word graphe is a document that is holy writ or its contents or statements in it, right? So we know in the context of the Bible, when you see the word scripture, you know this is referring and this is, again, using the Bible to interpret the Bible. When you see scripture, typically in the Bible, this is referring to God's inspired word. So we know when Peter was talking about Paul's writing and he's saying this, his writing, just like other scripture. So he didn't say Paul's writing much like the scripture. No, he said Paul's writings, just like other scripture, people wrestle with these things to their own hurt, to their own destruction. So again, these are things they understood what scripture was. Okay, here's where it gets slightly tricky. So I'm not going to state this dogmatically. This is something that I've been flushing out over a little bit of time. Now we have our assumptions on when different books in the Bible were pinned down, were recorded. And I'm not saying that all of our assumptions are incorrect. I'm saying I think maybe we might have some of these things misunderstood. I'm going to explain and let me let me use the book of first Corinthians to prove my point. This is Paul explaining what they get according to the scripture. I'm going to read this to you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have uh, which ye which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I've preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen above five hundred brethren, and that once and that and at once uh, of of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. So many of these people who saw these things still remain to this day. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. And I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul getting into a little bit of his history, but this is what I want to focus on. Now, here's the thought I'm going to posit. Now, I'm not saying I'm right about this. I am a novice at best. I am not a scholar. I am a Bible student, but I am not a scholar. I don't have any scholarship. I don't have any degrees. Yes, I've been studying my Bible for a good length of time. I'm not a know-it-all. There's many things that I don't understand, but here's what I'm going to say. Okay, so here is the dates we believe these books are written. Now, there's debate about what was the first New Testament book pinned down. Some say James and some say the book of Galatians. James is reportedly written somewhere between 44 and 49 AD. The book of Galatians is reportedly written between 49 and 50 AD. The book of Mark, this is where this gets interesting. The book of Mark and the book of Matthew have a wide range, anywhere between 50 and 60 AD. The book of first and second Thessalonians, 51 to 52 AD. The book of first Corinthians, 55 AD. And here's why this matters. When Paul says, but uh, by which also ye are saved, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, verse, uh, uh, that was verse 2, verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. Now, this is what I'm going to posit. Now, most people right here say Paul is referring to the Old Testament and there's different things in the Old Testament that show the uh, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is true. There, there are things in the scripture, which in the Old Testament, which if you look into and you break down very intricately, you can see where there's prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ well beforehand. But here is my issue with believing that Paul is talking about Old Testament scripture here. I think it is possible. Now, again, I am a novice and I'm sure there are many Bible scholars out there that will hear these thoughts and completely blow me out of the water. I'm sure. Right. I'm, I'm not a know it all, but I think this is a possibility right here. Is it possible that Matthew and Mark was written beforehand? Everyone understood this is scripture. Even if it was just one of them, let's say it was just Matthew was written beforehand. 
And everyone understood, understood this is scripture. And Paul, having read these things, telling the, the Corinthians, hey, I received, I, I transferred to you the same thing I received that the Lord Jesus Christ died according to the scripture and rose again the third day according to the scripture. Now, let's say you think to yourself, nah, we, we, this is what you'll find if you look up anything about the writing of scripture. We have good approximate dates for when many of these books were compiled, but we don't have exact dates. We don't know exactly when. There's context clues and things that are said, and we have good reason to have approximations of when these books were written. So the reason I say that is it is very possible and even plausible that the Apostle Paul wrote first Corinthians after the book of Mark and Matthew and or maybe just Matthew was written. Here's why I say that it's I find it quite odd that in most places where the Apostle Paul refers to an Old Testament verse, he typically quotes that Old Testament verse. This is the beauty of the Bible. The beauty of the Bible is we have so much detail in so many different places in the Bible, you can use the Bible to interpret the Bible and break the Bible down. So the Apostle Paul, I'm not going to say all, but in most places, generally, when he's quoting the Old Testament, he'll quote that verse and he'll break that thing down and he'll give you some context and details on how this applies and how this prophecy breaks down. Now, here it is. The Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church who most people wouldn't debate was probably amongst the most carnal churches. You got a dude sleeping with his stepmom. Paul is breaking down for them how to conduct themselves in church, the things they should do. Uh, he, he goes over tongues, how exactly this is done. Prophecy, which the prophecy he's talking about in the book of first Corinthians is probably not exactly what you're thinking. But he they are so bad off as far as how they conduct themselves that Paul has to go through great lengths to show them, yo, this is how you're supposed to do this. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is how you do the y'all doing this wrong. When you come together, this is what you're supposed to do. Here's my question. If Paul is referring to a verse or something in the Old Testament especially in dealing with the church of Corinth. Why didn't he go to those verses, quote those verses exactly and break that down? Maybe it's just me. I find that odd. I think a better explanation is Paul is referring to one of the gospels, which happened to be written before he wrote the book of first Corinthians. And thus there really wasn't a need to further break this down because the gospels point these things, these things out plain and sim plain and simple. It's not an old Testament prophecy that has to be deciphered compared with some different things and, and, and then, uh, uh, broken down for the common person to understand. So I think it is very possible that Paul was actually referring to one of the gospels and referring to them as scripture further showing they knew what scripture was they knew what was inspired 
There wasn't a council needed after these things to prove to the body of Christ what was inspired and what wasn't. The reason this matters, the reason the reason this matters is when you're going through the book of Acts, you don't need another external source to know what was done in the early church. After you've read through the book of Acts, you can go through the epistles, cross comparing what happened in the book of Acts with the epistles and then cross referencing Old Testament prophecies that are mentioned in these epistles and in Acts and come to proper conclusions about what doctrine the Bible actually teaches. The reason this matters is we make a mistake when we go to external sources Making these external sources our ground for doctrine. My ground for doctrine is what the Bible actually teaches. And where where early writings of, of early church fathers veer from what the Bible teaches, well, clearly they're wrong because men are at best just men quote from my boy Lupe. I could be wrong that look at my whole theory that I posit about, you know, first Corinthians and when it was written and, and Matthew and Mark, yeah, I, I could be completely wrong about this. I've been going back and forth, looking into this for a couple days. And this is a legitimate thing that I've come to. This is a very possible conclusion. Needless to say, even without that, we still do have Peter referring to Paul's writings as scripture, thus showing the, the first century church. I'm talking about the apostles, the people who walked with the Lord Jesus Christ and their disciples. These people knew what scripture was. There wasn't a need for some counsel to prove and show to them what was scripture. And I think we run into a fallacy when we get into those discussions because it is to assume that there was some break in the church that God established. And I would argue there wasn't. The Lord Jesus Christ said the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against his church. And so we know that church doctrine you can go all the way back to the Gospels and all the way forward. We have everything we need in God's word. And the, and the, the early church knew, in my humble opinion, exactly what was inspired. There was a special work of God at that time, something unique going on, and they knew exactly what was inspired and they didn't need a council to decide that. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.